Loved, cherished, comforted. Welcome to the podcast ministry of Our Resolute Hope, where you will find grace, not just a concept or a doctrine of grace, but a person, a person whose name is Jesus, a person who brings hope, a determined, resolute hope that can sustain you and empower you to live courageously in this fallen world. Join us now as we learn more about Jesus, our Savior, our Lord, and our life. Beloved, we are blessed that you joined us today on the Our Resolute Hope podcast. John Russin here. I do my best to keep my friend, Pastor Frank, in line, answering the questions and uh, not chasing too many wild rabbits. How are you today, my friend? <laughs> well, in response to that, John, I'll quote the dear old Major, Major Ian Thomas, who used to say that it's okay to chase rabbits if it's a fat rabbit. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, indeed. I've heard you say that many times over the years. So, Frank, as you know, the last several weeks we've been talking about suffering. We spent a few weeks talking about the suffering of Messiah. And last week we started to unpack suffering in the life of the Apostle Paul. And we began with a brief mention of 2 Corinthians, but we spent most of our time going further back into Paul's history, looking at how he got to be the place where he can write something like 2 Corinthians. And we spent our time talking about Acts chapter 9, his whole world turned upside down, his lifetime full of plans and hopes and dreams and expectations shattered in 60 seconds. And, you know, as I thought about it, Frank, if you go back to Job chapter one, that's about how long it took for those four messengers to come to Job and deliver those four awful accounts of how he'd lost all his 10 children, all of his flocks and all of his servants. So, my friend, pain and suffering can drop like a hammer sometimes, can't they? Yes, John, we have to remember that we live in a fallen world and there's a enemy who controls what is known as the world system. And anytime he's involved, there's going to be an evil intent. Like Jesus said, and we need to believe him, in the world, you're going to have tribulation. This is a fact of living in this world, but we need to end with the second half of it but hang in there, be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. And because he has overcome, we can overcome. We'll go through it, but we'll stand as we do so. Yes, indeed. And we saw that exemplified in Paul's life last week. Uh, we spent a lot of time, Frank, as you recall, talking about the restoration and the steps Father put in place for Paul to heal him from his trauma teach him the new covenant, and then uh, empower him to share that new covenant as the singular apostle of grace, and eventually write nearly half of the New Testament. So uh, his suffering has borne much fruit, not only in his life, but in the lives of uh, millions, perhaps billions of saints over the years. So today, Frank, we want to go back now to 2 Corinthians and begin to look at some of the fruit that suffering bore 
in the life of Paul. And you said last time, Frank, that it was Paul's most intimate, most vulnerable letter, how he opened his heart to these believers. You know, Frank, that's quite a statement for an apostle to make, to just basically unpack not only his circumstances, but his fears and his dreads and lay them at the feet of these believers in Corinth and then respond, hey, uh, open up to me as well, because I want this suffering to weld us into a community of fellow sufferers who can join together, pray for each other, and rejoice in the life that Jesus has given us. So he makes a plea to them, please do with me as I am doing with you. Frank, I can't think of any more vulnerable way to approach these saints than to approach them like that. Yeah, John, in the church, and when I make comments like this, of course, I'm not being negative or critical, but I am trying to be corrective. It's been my experience that most believers are not allowed to struggle. And so what happens is we all present a facade that everything's going well. And so they end up hiding and then we look at each other and then the imagination kicks in and we look and say, well, they're doing wonderful. How come I'm not? And then we begin to think there's something wrong with me. Maybe I don't have enough faith. Maybe God doesn't love me like he loves others. And if we really ask that other person, we say, hey, how you doing? Doing great. No, how you really doing? Oh, well, and then they chime in that, you know, they just took a pay cut. They don't know how they're going to meet the budget. One of the, the daughter came home, she's on drugs, uh, you know, and, and reality comes out. John, back in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve wore fig leaves. Uh, they hid from each other. And John, we've been hiding from each other ever since. The world was forced to wear masks a couple years ago. That was nothing new. We've been wearing masks since the Garden of Eden. And wouldn't it be wonderful if we had such a community of love and acceptance that all of us could take off the mask and be real? And in the process of being real, would invite others to step into our journey, we could step into their journey and fulfill that call of Ecclesiastes 4, that two could be better than one, and help each other. You, you know, John, you were at Grace Life Church for years before I got there. And I don't know if you remember this or not, but when I got there, I had learned of the New Covenant. It had helped me to take my mask off in a way I never had before. And I was very vulnerable and honest those first few weeks. And I'll never forget, I had an elder come up to me after Sunday morning uh, teaching one day. And he said, would you please quit being so vulnerable? You're scaring everyone. <laughs> and, uh, and I looked at him and I said, what would you prefer, a facade and I'll never forget his words, John. He said, well, that's what we're used to. And there's no power in a facade, John, because oh. we really don't know each other. And when we don't know each other, we can't be to each other. 
John, we sent a newsletter out a couple of weeks ago where we discussed this issue with our newsletter people. Uh, shameless plug to sign up for our newsletter. <laughs> yes, you could do that on our website at OurResoluteHope.com. <laughs> but in that newsletter, we shared how the light of man is a 100,000 watt light. It's glaring. It's harsh. No wonder we hide in the bushes. But the light of God, though it's a gazillion watts, is a soft light. It's tempered with his love and acceptance. And he himself calls us to come out of the bushes without fear, because he's not going to reject us. And the wonderful thing is when we've come into the light of God, we can then cease functioning with the glaring light of man and in turn become the expression of the light of his acceptance to others and draw them out of the bushes and we can become a safe place for them. And, you know, that's what happened to Paul. And I think in this Corinthian letter, he's inviting others into the light of acceptance as he shares his own struggles with them. Oh, yes. Frank, we can see that right in the very beginning, chapter one. This is how he talks about God. Blessed be God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, I get that. The Father of mercy and the mm. God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction. So right from the very beginning, he says, hey, look, take off the mask. Let our Father in mm. to our affliction. Let him comfort us in a way only he can. And so that strikes me, Frank, the mm. way he talked about God. It's not some distant creator, all-wise power in the universe. He's a God of comfort. And mm -hmm. I tell you, when I look at the God of all comfort, mm. that means that there's comfort no place else mm. except God. All comfort, all real comfort mm. is wrapped up in our Father. Wow, what a way to immediately set the tone in a letter. And who besides Paul would know better? than receiving comfort in the midst of affliction. Based on our conversation in the last podcast episode, he was devastated and Father worked faithfully to restore him and make him the, the apostle of grace that he wanted him always to be. That's mm. pretty amazing, Frank. And then I look at that same verse. So there's a purpose in suffering because he writes at the end, as we share abundantly, get that, Frank, we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings. Mm. So through Christ, we share abundantly in comfort too. So this word share is a word mm. of community. It's a word of gathering folks together, grieving and rejoicing as one over the pain and suffering that any might feel. What a magnificent picture Paul is painting here of how the body of Christ is equipped, not should function, but is already equipped to function mm. uh, if we just consent to Father working in our lives. Wow, mm. what a picture. You know, when he comforted Paul back in Acts, he used people. He used Ananias. He used Barnabas. He used the other apostles. And then he, in turn, becomes a comforter of others. And that's what this verse is saying. As we receive, 
the comfort. So we become able to comfort others. And I, I like the one little word he threw in there, in any affliction. Oh, yes. We don't have to be afraid that, oh my gosh, they've gone through something that is horrifically above my pay grade. No, Christ is in you and he's the pay grade. And you just present yourself. And it might be a hug. It might be a spoken word. It might be complete silence. There's nothing like the ministry of silence, John, where we sit there with someone like Job's friends did in the beginning. They just sat there silent. And Job expresses what a great comfort they were because they were just with him. And John, you quoted that next verse, and this is so important. As we share in the suffering, we share in the comfort. That's a huge principle. If we do not receive what's going on in our lives, if we anesthetize ourselves through drugs, alcohol, recreationalism, workaholism, just don't think about it. We're not going to receive the corresponding comfort that God promises to that affliction. It's as we sit down in it and say, be God to me, that he will meet us with the corresponding comfort. And that then becomes the means by which we get equipped to not only experience him, to find him in a way we never knew him, but then to express him in the same manner to others who desperately need to know him and yeah. his comfort. It's Amen. huge. It's absolutely huge. Yeah. And as I've listened to your talk, Frank, it just sort of struck me that when Paul says we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, when people suffer, what's their first response? Mm. Usually to hide themselves away. If they've done something heinous, just at the most, I mean, the top 10 sins of all time, what do they do? They just hide themselves away. They don't tell anybody. They're embarrassed. They're ashamed. They're humiliated. But if we don't share our suffering, then there's a chance that we're not going to share in any comfort because we will sit there in our own pain and become an island, like the Simon and Garfunkel says, I'm a, mm -hmm. a rock feels no pain. Boy, that's, I think, a real possibility. If we turn our backs on, the, I don't want to say just the truth of this verse, it's the instruction of this verse. It's how to mm -hmm. get through suffering. It's to mm -hmm. share it. Find a like-minded person and share your heart with them. Wow. What a way to live, my friend. Mm. Yeah, we invite others into our journey, and we journey together, not alone. That's, that's the glory of the body of Christ. Yeah. Well, there's another passage that Paul throws out there, and you referenced this last time as probably the apex of this chapter. This came from 2 Corinthians 4. And rather than just reference it, I want to spend a moment, Frank, and just read it mm -hmm. so we can get a picture for what Paul was experiencing, and then again, how he responded, not reacted, mm -hmm. how he responded. So 2 Corinthians 4, beginning in verse 8, reads like this, we are afflicted in every way, but we're not crushed. We're perplexed, 
but we're not driven to despair. Mm. We're persecuted, but we're not forsaken. We're struck down, but we're not destroyed. We always carry in the body the death of Jesus mm. so that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, not for no reason or our own stupidity, our own carelessness. We are given over to death, pain and suffering for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus may be manifested in us. And then he wraps mm -hmm. it up with this. Death is at work in us, but life in you. My goodness, Frank, I wish there were a pill we could take to have the life of Christ expressed in us hmm. and a pill we can give someone else. So the life of Christ can be expressed in them, but that's not the way it works. My friend, this is the formula. If I can use that word, affliction, hmm. crushed, despair, persecuted, struck down, give rise to, I'm trusting the life of my father in me to bear fruit, not only for me, but to bear fruit for others to enjoy. Mm -hmm. Wow. This is the fruit of what he experienced. We talked about last time in Acts chapter nine, isn't it? What mm -hmm. an amazing message. You know, John, I think it's very clear in this passage. This has become my favorite passage in the entire Bible. It didn't start out that way. It's been my favorite for the last 10 or 12 years. But it became my favorite only because I experienced it. When people hurt, the number one thing we do is we say, why? It's the most asked question in the entire world. Why is this happening? And most people go on a journey trying to answer that question in terms of a cause and effect. What did I do? to cause this to come into my life. And here, Paul is telling us the why. And it's got nothing to do with what you've done. It's got everything to do with what God desires. He wants you to find him in a way you've never known him. And he wants all of you so that you can have all of him. It's not so much an answer, but the person who is the answer. I remember a, a dear friend of ours, you know him, Ross Gilbert, and we were discussing the issue of suffering at a forum one time, and he fired out these words, if there's no purpose in pain, then God is not good. And John, you just read the purpose. Death comes at us every day. In order that, so that purpose clause, that the life would be made manifest. What does that mean? It means that we would experience him who is our life. All that he is, his truth, his strength, his mercy, his grace, his purpose, his will, all of him experienced by us. And once experienced, expressed 
so that others, which is what Paul goes on to say, so that others will see that life and in a sense be added to the ranks because they find God as real. Not a God of the deists who's all powerful out there somewhere, but the God who steps into our lives with his own life. John, this is the essence of what this entire Bible is all about. Finding God and living in, with, and from him. I just love what Paul has done in this chapter. Oh, yes, it certainly. And, you know, going even a step further, my friend, that relationship, that intimate, close relationship that suffering is designed to accomplish in us, with our Father, that is, needs to extend to others as well to be fully and richly enjoyed. Looking at 2 Corinthians 6, I'm going to read something from the New Living Translation. Paul says, our hearts ache, but we always have joy. We are poor, but we give spiritual riches to others. We own nothing, and yet we have everything. Oh, dear Corinthian friends, and here's his appeal, Frank. We have spoken honestly with you, and our hearts are open to you. There is no lack of love on our part, but you have withheld your love from us. Mm. I'm asking you to respond as if you were my children. Open your hearts to us. And I see this, Frank, as a fruit of suffering, because mm. suffering results in, in at least if we don't hide ourselves in the corner, if we embrace that suffering, sit down in it, invite our Father into it, it will result in an openness, an honesty, a transparency, a vulnerability. And I tell you what, my friend, that's exactly the position we need to be in to develop deep, true fellowship with like-minded believers. Because mm -hmm. there's nothing in the way. You can mm -hmm. be yourself, the mess you are and the pain you feel, it's just there and you can invite people in. And so it's really an opportunity for the deepest fellowship I think we've ever had is mm -hmm. fellowship and suffering. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I look at Job, you know, Job was the first book of the Bible ever written. I think that's fascinating, John. A lot of people don't realize that. They think Genesis was the first book, but the first book written was Job. And it's interesting. The first book is all about enduring a fallen world and Job finding God in a way he never knew him. So it's almost like God is writing his Bible saying, uh, let's get this straight from the outset. <laughs> this is not a utopia. This is not an ethereal float. It wasn't designed that way. It's going to be tough out there, but the toughness has a purpose. You're going to find me in a way you never knew me. You'll experience me. When you experience me, you'll give me a way to others, an intimate union with others, and we'll build this family of intimate oneness. Yeah. And, you know, John, when you understand that, and you get the heart of what Paul is doing in this second Corinthians letter, then you will have a tenacity about you. I find it interesting that in chapter four, 
there is a repetition. And as a teacher, you know that repetition is the key to learning. He says, we don't quit, therefore. And then in verse 16, he says, therefore, we don't quit. Yeah. Because we realize the trophy that is ours in this race of faith. And the trophy is a personal relationship with God in an intimate oneness that we share with him and therefore get to share with others. Yeah. And you can't put a price tag on that, John. You no, just can't. You really can't. My friend, there's one more thought I want us to chew on a bit. And I know we're running late, but we're going to plow ahead with this one. And that's looking at suffering from a little bit different perspective. And that's to remove from us something that Father needs to remove. And of course, everyone knows Paul's laundry list of sufferings in 2 Corinthians 11. You know, mm -hmm. Shipwrecks and beatings and stonings and lashes and dangers and sleepless nights, no food, cold, what have you. And then he says, you know, I could boast in how I survived all that, but I'm not going to because all they did was show me how weak I really was. And remember, Frank, this is the guy who in Philippians 3 said, hey, you want to talk about fleshly accomplishments? Man, I got a list that'll, that'll knock your socks off. I come from the right tribe, not one of those northern tribes. I come from Benjamin. I've kept every nuance of Jewish law. I am a Hebrew if there ever was one. Galatians 1, hey, I was head and shoulders above every other of my peers. I was zealous for the traditions of my fathers. And so when I read these passages, Frank, I get an idea of competence, confidence, self-confidence, strength, pride. And then when you get to 2 Corinthians 11 and you see what Paul went through, and then he says, I'm no longer strong. I realize how weak I really am. He says that in verse 30 and how very much he needed God's strength and God's protection. And then he goes on in 2 Corinthians 12 to talk about his thorn in the flesh and how he asked God to take it away. And God says, sorry, son, my strength works best in weak vessels. And so sometimes Father uses suffering to get us to stop focusing on just how strong, competent, and capable we think we are and reveal to us how weak and needy we really are. Wow. He loves yeah. us that much, Frank, to go after us and change us into what he needs us to be. Wow. Mm. Wrap us up, my friend. Well, you know, John, I think a lot of times the church is sin conscious. We talk about sin, 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 that infinitum. But sin is really the fruit simply of independence, living independent of God. That is our greatest struggle ever since the Garden of Eden. And we see, I think, from our studies into the life of the Apostle Paul, that God is on an agenda of bringing us back to an intimate, dependent relationship. And so he will either orchestrate or he will allow what is necessary, whatever is necessary into our lives 
to rid us of the lie that we shall be as God, to eradicate the thought process that we're strong and capable and adequate and replace it with the truth that we were designed weak so that we would depend upon him who alone is strong. We have an old friend who went home to be with the Lord last year, John, a guy named Jack Taylor. And Jack used to take 2 Corinthians 12 as a platform. And then when people would come up to him and say, how you doing, Jack? He would say, weak, thank you. Very weak. Mm. <laughs> and he did that to remind himself of his true need of someone who was so much stronger than he was. Wow. Yeah. And he's now seeing him face to face. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> cool stuff, my friend. Well, dear ones, we trust that the podcast has ministered to you today. Thank you for joining us. Check out our website, OurResoluteHope.com. I know we gave a shameless plug earlier, but we'll do it again. You'll find lots of resources there to help you in your walk with the Savior. Uh, check out our social media platforms. We've got a Facebook presence, an Instagram presence. We've got our own YouTube channel, so tune in and uh, check out what's there. And as always, we close with the same reminder from Hebrews chapter 6, verse 19, that we have a hope as an anchor for our souls. Peter calls it a living hope. We call it a resolute hope. Paul calls it a blessed hope, an immovable bedrock kind of hope, steadfast and stable. And that hope is Jesus. So today and always, choose hope and choose Jesus. Thanks for listening. We trust that you've seen Jesus today. And you know that no matter what you're facing, he offers you himself, his own life, he wants to live his life with you, in you, and through you as you trust him and walk by faith in this troubled world. You've been listening to Our Resolute Hope Podcast. For more information, find us online at OurResoluteHope.com and check out our social media channels under the name Our Resolute Hope.